Good morning. This is Lania Rademacher, and you are listening to Action Research Global Conversations. I am the current chair of the Action Research Special Interest Group of the American Educational Research Association for 2020 through 2022. In this podcast, we hope to feature those who are passionate about action research, and we hope to include action researchers from around the globe. Thank you for listening. Today's guest is Craig Mertler. Craig Mertler is a professor in the Mary Lou Fulton Teachers College at Arizona State University. Craig is also the former chair of the Action Research SIG. Uh, currently, Craig is busy as an author of action research texts, handbooks on action research, as well as a mystery novel series. And on his website, www.craigmertler.com, Craig lists his primary areas of research and expertise as classroom and school-based action research, action research communities, data-driven educational decision-making, teachers' classroom assessment practices, teachers' assessment literacy, teacher motivation and job satisfaction. Good morning, Craig, and welcome. Good morning. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here with you today. I'm very happy to have you, and I... I hope that these conversations can um, elicit new ideas and insights into action research in a variety of settings. So I think first what you could tell our listeners is um, what brought you to the field of action research? You know, it's an interesting story because I was, you know, trained in my doctoral program as a very traditional research methodologist. So my degree is in research methodology and quantitative research. And um, when I started my, my work as a professor in higher ed in 1996, one of the teaching assignments that I had very consistently every semester was an intro to educational research methods class taught at the master's level. And so I would teach that course every semester, sometimes multiple sections each semester. And I loved teaching that course, but um, I struggled with that course because many of the students in that course were, were young, younger uh, educational professionals. So they were teachers or administrators or um, potential administrators, but many of them had anywhere from two to three years of professional experience to you know, up to maybe eight or 10. So they were relatively early career and um, I taught that course initially as many sort of overview research methods courses are taught uh, with an attempt to try to get these master students to understand as much as we possibly could about educational research, not just from a practitioner perspective in terms of how to do research, but also from a consumer perspective in terms of how to read research in the literature and understand what you're reading and so forth. And one of the things that I saw very consistently semester in and semester out was that they really seemed to struggle with a lot of the concepts that we were talking about, largely because they couldn't see the application in their school settings or their classroom settings. So obviously imagine, you know, conversations about experimental research designs, quasi experimental research designs, and things of that nature where they, you know, we would talk about random selection and random assignment and they had, that would never work in my set. So right away, they become disinterested to those techniques. But the one thing that I saw every single time I taught this course was when we got to the topic of action research where we typically spent one week out of a 15 week course, um, they all of a sudden many of them became much more interested and intrigued with the research process because they began to see how research could work in their settings. And um, this probably went on for, for several years. And I just sort of did some informal anecdotal, I wanna see if this happens again this semester. And it, it was so routine. It just happened that way every time I taught it. And, uh, so probably I would say somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe 17, 18 years ago, I really started, started to gravitate more toward action research, not only from a teaching perspective, but also for my own work, because a lot of my work is really focused on practitioners. So um, 
my action research texts, other textbooks that I've written are really focused on how practicing educators can use those things to help them do their work better and more effectively and more efficiently and so on. And so that was really what sort of attracted me to it. And um, it didn't take too long for me to become what I would consider a complete action research convert away from very traditional sort of quantitative as well as or excuse me, qualitative approaches to conducting research. Um, to what I see as a methodology and an approach and a mindset that is a much better fit for what many practitioners are looking for when it comes to research and how research can help inform their practice. That's wonderful. And that so aligns with some of the experiences that I've had. You know, I was fortunate enough uh, very early on uh, to be able to teach an entire uh, semester course in action research for mm. teachers when I first started teaching it and um, your text was the one that I used I think it was probably a, maybe in its second edition at Not that right. point and um, you know it really resonated with the teachers uh, especially the novice teachers who mm. who weren't in the classroom yet I think the teachers who were already in the classroom had a struggle of, of jumping over it's one more thing to do and so we tried to, our whole department, we tried to, this was a required class in both um, the, the MAT program and the MED program. Uh, and we tried to paint it as a picture of this is what you do, being a reflective practitioner, mm -hmm. or as Jerry Pine said, a paradigm overarching that reflective practice mm -hmm. of problem solving in the moment and rigorously and step by step. Mm -hmm. And so uh, tell me a little bit about how you went from being a convert to writing these. Uh, I mean, I have your sixth edition one here in front of me. We can't see it on a podcast that's audio, but um, I've just so enjoyed these. And I think um, one of my favorite things that I always uh, help the students gravitate towards was uh, the sharing and communicating the results. So, so we think in academia that generally traditionally means publishing an article in hopefully a refereed journal. Mm -hmm. Well, for teachers, that has no meaning. Mm -hmm. That doesn't really have a reference point. And that's not how they uh, make meaning and, and disseminate their work. So tell us a little bit about how you First of all, how you developed the idea for this text and how you, this is a, this is a huge section in here and it, it's mm -hmm. grown. Mm -hmm. And tell me more about that. Sure. Well, um, so a little bit of uh, sort of quick history on the book. It, it's sort of funny how it came to be. I, in the early 2000s, I had done some work with Sage as a, um, a, a book proposal reviewer and um, so, you know, people would propose a book, they would look for people in the field, uh, very loosely interpreted, to give them feedback on, you know, sort of the potential market for the book and all that kind of stuff. And um, so I had done a couple of those and apparently they had liked what I had done and, and, and the way that I sort of responded and the thoughts that I had about research in general. And so I, I wanna say it was maybe 2002, I get a random email from one of the acquisitions editors at Sage who said, we have a couple of action research books in our you know, uh, research methods line, but we would like to add another one and we are interested to know if you would, be, if you would like to write one. And you know, at that point, it was still, I, I still had not made the full conversion to action research yet. So I was a little hesitant, but I said, you know what, with the passion that I'm already feeling for this um, and, and how well I think this will be able to resonate with practicing educators, even those who might not, eat, might not be enrolled in graduate programs. Um, I said, let me, let me take a stab at this and, and give it some thought. So um, I sort of came up with, uh, you know, the, the outline and a, and a book proposal of my own. Um, it was received well, I wrote the book. But you know, one of the things that I tried to do early on, and as you've said, there are some sections in there that are a little bit unique when it comes to action research texts. And I think over the years and now in the current sixth edition, I've tried to take those things that were a little bit unique and really build them up as much as I possibly could. And one that you identified 
was the sharing and communicating piece. So I'm a big, big proponent of that. Um, I love uh, action research in schools. I love teacher research. I love administrators doing research. Um, but so often for people who do that, for reasons that you identified, because they don't see themselves as academics, they don't feel that once they do their research, that there's anything else that they need to do beyond helping them make decisions. And I don't disagree with that at all. That's, that's a huge piece of this. And that's why I hope people want to get engaged with doing action research on their own. But my argument is always, there are other people out there who probably have some of the same struggles and same problems that they're trying to address in their own practice that you are trying to address or have addressed. So why not share it with people who might be interested in what you did? Maybe it will help inform something that they do. It doesn't mean that they're going to replicate what you've done, um, but, it's, but it certainly could transfer in some sense to their setting. And so I really try to make an argument, uh, not just in this book, but whenever I talk about action research with practicing educators or anything of that nature, that one of the things that they really owe to themselves as well as to, to the profession is to share the knowledge that they've gained in any way that they are able to do that. Whether that means publishing an article or presenting at a conference or presenting at a school board meeting or presenting to their administrative team or presenting to their grade level team. I always tell them it doesn't have to be this big, you know, professional. I've, I've had these conversations with, um, with educators in workshops that I've done and many of them will say, Oh, I'm not, there's no way I'm standing up at a conference and presenting all of the stuff that I've done to this big room of people. And, uh, and I said, well, you, you don't have to do that in order to help share the knowledge that you gain. You can do it with local audiences. You can do it with a parent group. You know, it doesn't make any difference. Just get the word out that you're doing these things, that you're doing them for the benefit of your practice, but ultimately the educational process that goes on in your setting. And I said, you'll have people who will be interested in that. So, you know, I, I've tried to really encourage people to even, you know, and, and the idea of writing, academic writing, for many of them is, you know, they do it in a graduate program, but they don't want to do it as a hobby, so to speak, you know, so, uh, so I try to encourage them to, do, you know, to, to make posters, to do infographics. It doesn't make any difference. Be creative in how you share what you've done. Um, one, of the, one of the, I think, the greatest experiences that I had with really seeing how this played out was at one of my previous institutions, which was the first place that I was able to teach a full-blown action research course. And it was actually a two-semester sequence. Nice. So the first semester, we taught them all about the action research process and, and so forth and so on. And by the end of that course, uh, they had to develop a proposal. Then the second course, they actually implemented this. Now, this was all pre-dissertation. So these doctoral students in, the, in this second semester would implement sort of a small scale action research study. They would have to write it up as a formal action research report. But the other requirement was that they had to give a 45 to 60 minute presentation of what they had done in, in a lot of detail to some interested audience. And I let them define who that was because it was dependent on the nature of whatever the problem was they were investigating sure, in the sure. action research that they had done. But, um, but then, and they had to uh, videotape that. And they, at, back in those days, we burned them to CDs and they had to yeah. submit the CD uh, <laughs> as part of their assignment. But, um, but that was great because it was, it was so much fun for me to see work that these students had done for the better part of you know two semesters eight or nine months, and then present it to an audience who had no, they might've known that they were doing the work, but they didn't know the details of what they were doing and, or, or necessarily the findings and the results. And it was very interesting to see them engage with their own networks and their own professional colleagues to share the work that they had done as a result of some aspect of their doctoral program. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a huge, um, sort of part of the way I view action research um, and not just the sharing piece, but the celebrating piece. You know, this is something that I try to convince people that, you know, many people do this they or they think they do action research as part of their job. And many of them do, they just don't call it action research. 
But the one thing that I try to tell them is that they need to realize that when they're doing this kind of work, they are engaging in a process where they're being reflective, where they're acting professionally, and where they're trying to better their practice and the teaching learning process for their kids or their teachers or their administrators or whatever. And that's something that needs to be celebrated. They need to celebrate that as a, as it's almost like a professional victory. Um, and so they should never take it lightly or sort of brush it off as, oh yes, I did this little project. No, it's more than a little project. If you change or improved some aspect of your work. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. And I, you know, when I was teaching that course, I had a, um, a friend that lived down the street who was a special ed teacher who'd graduated from our course. So she'd taken action research and she'd been teaching for a number of years and she was an, an inclusion and a pullout teacher. And she just was talking about some of her students that were struggling with reading. And, and I very tentatively said, I, I could help you with an action research project. <laughs> and she's, She's like, okay, scared to death. We wrote about this for, uh, Heather Latimer wrote a book um, about uh, very, very practical action research experiences that people had had. And so mm -hmm. we wrote a chapter about it, but she um, partnered with the classroom teacher, the regular ed teacher, and we created this project. And I very much stayed on the periphery. I kind of helped them pushed the proposal to the administration who was all for it. Mm -hmm. um, at that time, they had a wonderful teacher evaluation process where you could do an action research project. Mm. And so that's a rarity these it days. Is. It and is. so, uh, you know, we did that project and they, they very much still wanted it to be like, well, it's not real if we don't have some kind of quantitative results. Mm -hmm. And the numbers that they had didn't justify that. And I said, well, let's look, let's look deeper let's reflect on individually what each of these students, what they experienced, because all of the uh, pullout students had severe disabilities. Okay. And so, um, you know, talking about the gains that these students made went beyond a number to a personal, social, emotional benefit, um, a love of reading, a love of learning uh, that couldn't be quantified. And so we wrote that up um, and they presented it as their evaluation project. And then the principal asked them to present it to the school faculty and they mm -hmm. did. And the faculty had been using this particular program that they were using for a long time, but nobody did the assessments. They just, it was a canned program mm -hmm. as often happens in schools. Sure. And they were, and when they heard these two ladies talking about it, they were all motivated to do the assessments and then the district superintendent asked them to present it to the district meeting. And then they did that. And then the state meeting asked them to present it. So they ended up presenting this far and wide and the entire mm -hmm. district ended up incorporating these assessments to improve student learning, but not just the, the number learning, uh, the the non-numerical learning mm -hmm. qualities that we mm -hmm. still look for. And I think that dissemination, it, you know, I was trying to tell them, you don't have to write it. I'm not going to make you write an article. I, you know, I right. have enough articles to write. I don't, but t tell your friends about it. Tell right. your colleagues yeah. about what you did. Exactly. It's so important. And that's, that's such a perfect example of how what started out as a very small effort to tackle a problem that I have can just snowball into something that impacts or, or, or has a much further reaching impact than what you ever anticipated at the outset. Yeah. That's powerful. It That's is just powerful. powerful stuff. It really I is. I love that. Mm -hmm. I really love that. Yeah. So tell me about, um, tell me about how now you have are working in a doc program mm -hmm. where action research is, is embedded into that program. Mm -hmm. So tell right. us about that. Yeah. So um, I, I, I love this program and the way that it's designed and set up and I can't take any credit for it. It was like it like that when I came to it about five years ago. But um, the very first course that students take in the program, we introduce them to the process of action research and they actually have to um, write uh, what we call a, a problem of practice concept paper, which is just really sort of a, a mini, mini, mini um, action research proposal. The idea behind it is to get them to sort of try to really define their problem of practice 
but merge that with an action research process so they start thinking that way. And that's the first semester in the program. Over the next year and a half, they will actually engage in two small preliminary cycles of action research, uh, beginning with a reconnaissance cycle, where they do some, um, just some interviewing of colleagues to, to really get a more complete understanding of the problem that they're dealing with. And you know, it's that kind of thing I always tell them, you wanna make sure that this is, that everyone sees this as a problem, it's not just your problem. Uh, and, and, but also to get different perspectives on the problem because it may give you insights into how other people interact with that problem. And uh, so they'll do a couple more cycles of that. Um, and those assignments are actually embedded as course assignments in the courses that they take. So they've got that sort of action research string running through virtually, well, every semester, not necessarily every course, but every semester in the program. And then that takes them up to their dissertation stages and the proposals that they develop for their dissertations where they, um, for most of them, by the time they get to their dissertation, they're, in, they're entering the third cycle of exploring some aspect of their problem of practice using action research as their approach. And so it's, it's been very fun for me to chair dissertations in this program because in this particular program, when they get to that stage, they've already been collecting data on this problem. They've collected some quantitative data, some qualitative data. We try to stress that they use a mixed methods approach in their dissertation, but we don't require that. We tell them that the problem has to dictate what you use, as we would tell you know, any doctoral student in a dissertation. Um, but the fact remains that they're, that they're approaching this the, a problem and continue to approach it throughout the program from an action research mindset. This is a problem in their setting. It's a problem of their practice that they're trying to solve, resolve, improve, change, whatever the case may be but that action research is just embedded throughout their work in the doctoral program, but also in, in their workplace setting and the work that they do there. I love that. I love that connection between the academic side mm -hmm. and the applied side, which I also teach in an applied program because, um, you know, we want practitioners who, whether they do action research or not, but we want practitioners who can read uh, can create data, can can understand and utilize data as well as uh, create their own to solve problems that are right. in their context. Exactly. And it's mm -hmm. so important to leadership. Mm -hmm. You know, um, our mm -hmm. program is an ed leadership program. And so organizational leadership is, is the program. And so we've got probably half of them are in education and the other half are spread out between uh, medical nonprofits um, and other military and other organizations. Mm -hmm. But we want people to be able, it, we don't want it to be a secret society that knowledge is <laughs> right. created by these, right. you know, I don't know, academic people up in an ivory tower. We exactly. want people to be able to know that you can do this. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, and I want to take the moment to welcome um, another guest, Grace. Um, Grace, I'm going to unmute you here. Let's see if I can do this. Uh, Grace is the Okay, there you go. Grace is the secretary treasurer of the Action Research Special Interest Group, and she's joining us now. And Grace, we've been talking with Craig about his work, both his writing work and his passion for action research. And now he's talking about the doctoral program that he teaches in and how action research is embedded in that um, process and in that program. And it sounds very exciting. So I'm gonna let you, if you have a question that you would like to ask him, um, I'm gonna let you do that. Um, or we'll just keep letting Craig talk because it's just so fascinating. Hi, Greg. You know, Hi, I think I would love to hear uh, more from you. And then when I have the questions, I'll uh, cue Lenia and then I will come up with a question. Perfect. 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 I, I think I would like to know because you're in a doc program and you work primarily with, um, I'm guessing, educators. Um, our, my program is very similar to yours in okay. that um, we do draw people from, um, from organizations outside of educational settings. So okay. most of our people work either in PK-12 or higher ed settings. Okay. Um, many of them will likely go on to um, advance in their profession, but 
a lot of them won't. And that's not, that's not their goal and it's not necessarily a goal of our program. So right. we aren't necessarily, um, our program is not designed to prepare administrators right. uh, at any level, but it is, it is designed to help people improve practice. Uh, we always tell students when they come into the program, whatever you choose to do professionally after you leave the program is entirely up to you. We're not gonna you know, sort of dictate a, a career direction for you, uh, but we just wanna give you tools and techniques and strategies that will help you do your job better or the future job that you hold better than, than, than what you might have without. So to connect this to uh, the current climate, I'm gonna pull up two, two issues. 2020 has been uh, an explosion with the mm -hmm. pandemic, uh, politics, um, a lot of things. How are you seeing um, action research manifested in this? And how are you seeing your students gravitate towards action research as a way to uh, insert themselves in these issues, to help them solve these issues? We've seen an influx of conflict resolution studies mm -hmm. um, I think as a direct result of some of these global issues, what are your thoughts? It's a big question, but what are your thoughts about how action research is part of this? Um, I, there, there are a couple of ways that I can sort of approach that question. And one of them is to say that um, the pandemic aside, my views on the potential impact that action research can have in educational settings and beyond uh, probably hasn't changed over the last six months. Uh, because I was that passionate about it beforehand, and, and now I'm just maybe a little bit more passionate about it than I was before. Um, but I do think, well, uh, let, let me give you an example. I have, I have a colleague of mine from Florida Atlantic University, and she and I have just finished co-authoring a manuscript um, where we essentially talk about how over the last couple of decades, we've really seen a deprofessionalization of the teaching profession. Uh, teachers aren't respected the way that they used to be. Uh, pay that they receive doesn't reflect their contributions to society in any way, shape, or form. Um, and, you know, we, we sort of juxtapose that with uh, things like the Red for Ed movement um, and teachers going on strike over conditions and pay and so forth. And you know, that's, those things are very political. Uh, I try not to get action research worked into uh, specifically politics, but one of the things that I do sort of um, advocate for is the fact that action research can be a way to return some degree of autonomy to teachers who feel that they've lost a sense of professionalism. Uh, it can also help to reinvigorate uh, and, and, well, reinvigorate is a good word to use, I think. Their, their voice in the educational process that, again, I think over the past couple of decades, with the variety of mandates that have come down from the federal level and the state levels, um, that those things have been lost. Uh, I just don't think teachers have the level of autonomy that they used to have. They don't have the freedom to do the things that they think in their classrooms would be the best approaches for the students that they have this particular year on this particular day. Because as you said earlier, it seems now that we're doing so many things that are canned programs that are sort of the, the program of the year, uh, the program of the couple of years. And, you know, I've seen so many teachers in schools implement these and then they just don't solve the problems that they're dealing with or they um, don't uh the, the district doesn't take time to assess right results right yeah. and there i think there are a whole lot of of potential gaps yes. in the implementation processes that are used sure. and i mean we could we could make the same argument for to some degree that those things can also happen with action research but i think that there's a very different level of um vesting in the process that goes on you just people become much more vested in that process when they are the owners of that process and they're responsible for the decisions that are being made in terms of how those get implemented what problems they're investigating and i'm you know i'm i'm not necessarily talking about at the individual level because it can also be those can also be done collaboratively with um, groups of teachers or administrative teams whatever um, but, um, 
Yeah, I just think that, uh, so, so in this manuscript that we've written, we really take the, uh, the approach that teacher inquiry and action research can really be a strong mechanism for helping to return some of those things that we believe that teachers have lost. Um, and I shouldn't say teachers because I, it's, I don't mean to uh, generalize in that way, but I would include administrators in this, you know, but the focus is really um, of, of this um, argument that we're making is on PK-12 educators, regardless of the positions that they hold. And so um, just returning some of that level of, of autonomy and professionalism, um, you know, years ago, I read, a, uh, read an article by Jean McNiff and she talks about action research as a mechanism for professional development, which I'm a huge proponent of that as well. And, and you know, I've written some articles on that as well. But um, one of the things that she says is that we just don't give teachers enough credit for being educated themselves and knowing what works and what doesn't work. Right. We, we've taken their ability to make those decisions sort of off the table. And again, I realize I'm overgeneralizing, so I don't want you know listeners to criticize me too much for that just because um, I know that there are, are situations and settings where that's not the case. But by and large, as a, as a whole, I think that that's happened. And you know, from the things that I read and people that I talk to, that's not a unique occurrence in the U.S., um, that happens globally. It happens in a lot of countries around the world where um, accountability efforts have just taken precedence over everything else that we do. Um, and some would argue even the actual teaching and learning process. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, teacher inquiry and, and action research can just really be a way for people to not, not, we, we know we have to do those things because they're mandates and we know we have to do that. But that doesn't mean that we can't do other things that we know on a more personal level can help improve the things that we do as professional educators. And I think that's, that's the big sort of takeaway from, uh, from the argument that we're trying to make in that manuscript. So, I love that. I, I think um, some of the things that I've seen in education, when I, when I wrote the chapter for your handbook on popular education, uh, it forced me back into that history of you know, Orlando Falls, Florida, Miles Horton, and all of the the, uh, the grassroots efforts people, uh, you know, that changing things, changing the status quo, which the status quo is created by those in power. Mm -hmm. And whoever has the power creates what happens. And it, what has happened in schools is those who have the power have said, no, this is what you need to do for students. Someone told me that this will work for all students when maybe the research said it will work for 60% of the students. And so they took that as all and, and the teachers have to have the power to say, and they have to give themselves that power. You know, like Frere used to say, I can't empower you. You have to empower yourself with knowledge. And, and you have to say, this doesn't work for my students and here's why. And if you can't add the here's why, they're not going to listen to you. And I think mm -hmm. that's the action research component. You know, it's funny that you say that because, um, uh, and I'm not gonna take credit for this because my, my colleague and co-author is the person who wrote this piece that I'm gonna reference here in just a second. But she actually makes a, a, a statement and an argument in the manuscript where she says, those in power have access to the research and people with research then have the power to make decisions. There's no reason that if we take this down to uh, quote unquote the lowest level, that classroom teachers can't empower themselves by giving themselves access to research findings. Right. And thus empowering themselves to make decisions. Different levels of decisions, granted, but still, uh, you know, some level of empowerment and voice and autonomy to help them guide and steer some of the things that go on that are within their control. Yes. Many things aren't, but there are still things that, that are and could be. And this is a, a, an excellent, excellent mechanism and process for them to be able to do that. Yeah. Well, um, I wanted to um, ask, unless Grace, you have a, another question. Do you have a question? Yes. Um, I've been working with uh, 
couple of schools to try to do a school-wide collaborations of doing action research. And the way we use it was to encourage teachers to volunteer to do action research, and we pair them with our faculty, volunteering faculty, and they do one-on-one, what I call professional development. Mm -hmm. But it has been years, and we found that one of the challenge to do this was there are some teachers, veteran teachers, they want to do this, they feel empowered just like what you say. Mm-hmm. But the lack of administrator support, mm-hmm. and when I say support, it's not just the cheerleading, right. it's the infrastructural mm-hmm. support. And I wanna ask you if you have any suggestions about, I see it has to be coming from the top and mm-hmm. there has to be something fundamental change. So the teacher feels they really have the autonomy. They are really acknowledged that this is very important. Otherwise, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, yeah. it's hard to move forward. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that you can find pockets where, where teachers just value the process enough that they will just do it on their own. But I think that's a rarity. Um, I completely agree with you that if, if you want to do something that is more widespread, for example, throughout a school, um, you have to have two things. You have to have support, but you also have to have modeling by the top. So let me give you an example of that. So um, I want to say, oh my gosh, this has probably been, I can't believe this, but it's probably been eight or 10 years ago. Um, I was asked to do a a small day-long action research workshop for some administrators in Michigan. And it was, they had a state grant and I did this workshop with, there were probably 15, 16 administrators in the room. That was it. But the idea was that the administrators were being trained in this to take it back to their schools. I could tell you that by the end of that day, I knew full well that two thirds of the people who just sat through this were going to do nothing with what we had just talked about. But there was a small pocket of people. And I sort of thought when I left, went back to the hotel that night, I said, I think that there are two or three people in here that really, you could just tell that the conversations during the day had piqued their interest. And so um, a couple of months went by And I got a phone call from a person who at the time was a building principal um, at a um, uh, a science magnet school in Michigan. And so he had been at the workshop and he called me up and he said, I loved what we learned that day. I've been thinking about this for a couple of months. I would like to bring you up here for a day and give the same training that you gave me to all of my faculty, entire faculty in the school. And so I was like, okay, I'm loving this already, right? So I went up there and two, a couple of very interesting things happened during the day. The first one was everybody was there the full day, including the building principal and assistant principal. They sat in the entire, they never left the room to take phone calls, to meet with people, anything. This was in October and it was designated as a professional development day for the school. So no kids, obviously had all the teachers in the media center, the building principal and admin and uh, assistant principal not only sat there all day, but when I had them do breakout activities and small group activities, they participated with everybody else. It blew me away because I had done many, many of these kinds of things in, you know, for, a decade and a half preceding that, never saw that happen. I would always see administrators come and go, take out their cell phones. They, you know, they would just kind of check in because they wanted the teachers to see that they were there and vested in what was going on, even though they really weren't. These people were. It, it, it blew me away. When I asked them at some point at the end of the day, I said, okay, let's everybody, let, we, we don't have time for everybody to do this, but let's have three or four people share their preliminary ideas for where you're going to go with action research. And the principal and assistant principal stood up and shared what they were going to do. It was amazing to me, right? It was amazing to me. I don't me. think I've ever heard anything like that, Craig. Well, and, it was, and you know, I still have contact. He, he is now a superintendent. Um, he has 
uh, he has, he's, he's very supportive and vested in the action research process. He has worked tirelessly to try to get that, you know, into his district, district-wide, which is not a huge district, but still a challenge when you're talking about multiple school buildings and everything else. He has a couple of buildings where they, they do action research all the time, including an early childhood center where they do it all the time. The principal of that building requires their teachers to do it. So, so but there's, there's more than just, you know, because Grace, as you said, it's, you can't mandate stuff like this. It doesn't work. You can't tell people this is, you're going to do this because you'll get half of the people that'll buy into it and half that you know, will dig their heels in and say they won't do it. But the difference in that setting is that she does it herself. So once again, she's modeling that behavior, that reflective practice and inquiry approach to her work. She's modeling that for those teachers on a regular basis. And that, that is hugely powerful. So, well, and, and that, I think to make the connection to your doc program and the doc program that I teach in, that's what we want leaders right. to be, whether they're in exactly. a school district or any organization, we want them to be modeling I can create and use data to exactly. to solve yeah. problems and I can do this collaboratively. It's exactly. not just Exactly. And so Grace, I don't think that there unfortunately there's no easy way to to sort of facilitate that. Um, but I do think that that's one way if you can get the administrative team or members of the administrative team to buy into this to the point that they do it themselves. And if they're doing it themselves, just the simple fact that they're modeling. And l let me tell you one more thing about this, because I, I love this, because these administrators made themselves so vulnerable. So when they stood up to share their idea, the principal stood up and he said, all the teachers in this room know that there are multiple ways that we communicate with you. We send out emails, we do morning announcements, we do like a weekly newsletter thing that just goes to faculty. And he said, we know that some of those are more effective than others. And like every teacher in the room is just, you know, nodding their heads. Yeah, yeah, that's stuff we don't read and this, you know. And so he said, what we're going to do this year is we're really going to investigate which modes of communication that we use with you are effective. And the ones that aren't, we're gonna stop using. Because we like to think that everybody reads everything that we send out to you and everybody listens to every announcement that we make to you, but we know that's not true. So just that, that, that level of vulnerability to stand up in front of the teachers who work for you and say, hey, we know that some of the stuff that we do is not good. It doesn't work. But we want to try to fix it so that it facilitates what you guys need to do. I, I'm standing at the front of the room listening to him do this, and I've got chills because I'm like, this is what we need to have happen in order for other people to get on board. There were teachers in that room that literally were like, just in awe that, that this, this conversation was happening. Um, at the beginning of the day, that principal walked up to me. I hate when people do this. I really dislike it. But he walked up to me and he said, I'm just gonna um, point out the people in the room who are not going to pay any attention to you today, who are not gonna buy into this. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, I really wish you wouldn't do that, but okay, that's fine, right? So he did that. But the funny thing was that the one person who he happened to point out and say, this person will have no interest in what you're doing. Halfway through the day, he's pulling me aside with ideas for action research that he wants to do. Uh-huh. And his principal saw him do this. So he, his principal came up later and he said, what was uh, Joe Smith talking to you about? And I said, he was talking to me about his ideas for action research. And the principal said, there's no way. You're, you're pulling my leg. That is not true. I said, oh, no, that's honest truth. But when so, you tell I mean, people that they have the, the power to solve their own problems, that's... that's exactly. Exactly. And I think that that's what this individual gravitated to. He was one of those people that, yeah, he didn't like authority. He didn't like authority telling him what to do and how to do it in his classroom. And I stood up there and said, basically, yeah, you can do it yourself if you want to badly enough. And I think he loved that idea, to be honest. I really do. That's wonderful. Yeah. And, and I have to share something, what you say were so true, because in our Cleveland school district, they recently just developed 
um, action research that can be counted for their CEU, the oh. continuing education unit. That's so great. Right? right. But they didn't provide any support for teachers, yeah. even yeah. just to understand what action research is. Yeah. And then maybe for administrators, probably many of them don't know what they are. Right. right. And so those are the part that are important also. Yeah. Well, and I think that from an administrative perspective, you know, it's not just the modeling thing because for them to model it, they have to understand how to do it themselves. But I think one of the bigger things is they need to have an understanding of how they can provide support to teachers who want to do this. So say I'm an administrator. I, I don't, I deem that I don't have time to do action research, but I'm all supportive of my teachers doing it, of the, uh, you know, of my faculty doing it. So what I need to know then is how, how do I support them in those efforts? And it, you know, Grace, you mentioned earlier about being a cheerleader. That's a huge part of it. You know, it's, it's, it's really supporting them and saying, hey, you can do this. And I'm here if you need a sounding board and, you know, that kind of thing. But the other thing that they need to be perfectly honest is they do need some resources. And one of those resources is time. And, you know, making, giving them some degree of time during their day, not every day, maybe not every week, but especially if they're doing this collaboratively, they need time to collaborate that, that isn't at five o'clock in the afternoon after they've been teaching kids all day, you know, so give them some sort of mechanism during the day to be able to do that. And I, I realize that, that that's tough for an administrator because that means shifting some things around periodically, but sometimes it's those kinds of supports that encourage teachers to keep doing it because they'll say things like, hey, at, at least I'm being given time to do this. And it's not just coming out of my hide or it's not, we don't have to meet at seven in the morning before kids get here at five in the afternoon after they leave. Um, so it's, you know, it's those kinds of things. And, and I've seen some schools who have done just little things like, like you know, there's $500 in the budget. And so they give $50 mini grants to teachers to do action research. So, Hey, if you, if you need to buy something, if you need to, you know, you want to bring in a speaker or say, you know, here's, here's, you can apply and you can get $50 to help you with that. And, you know, we all know teachers, it doesn't take a lot to make them happy about giving them things to help them do their jobs better. And so even just little things like that, I think, I think can carry so much weight and are such huge, you know, just, they're just huge pushes to help this gain some momentum and continue to move forward. Thank you so much. Of course. That's great. That's great. I want to give you uh, one, uh, one more question as we come to our close and ask you uh, what you see uh, as the hopes for the field, um, where where the field is going, or or what what your dreams are for action research in the next ten years? You know, my my dream has always been to try to get more people in the broad field of education to understand action research, to appreciate the value that action research has but then to also engage in the process. That would thrill me to no end. Um, and, and to be honest, when, when I, back in the early 2000s, when I wrote the first edition of my action research textbook, that was my goal. That was my broad goal was, I want people to read this and I want people to say, I could do this. You know, on some level, I can do this. I might need some help here and there, but I can find colleagues, I can, whatever, you know, but I can do this. Um, and, and, maybe more importantly, I want to do this. You know, it's that desire. People who have the desire will figure out how to do it. They don't need to know how to do it first, right? But if we can show them what the process is, um, and I know that, you know, action research is never gonna be this widespread thing that's gonna be in every school, in every district, in every state, and throughout the country, it's just not gonna happen. There's just not time and, and so forth. You know, well, that's my fantasy. Work. Well, that's true, right? That's yeah, now, now we've left the dream world into the okay. fantasy world, right? I, I agree with you entirely. Um, but I also think that, um, you know, I just quickly, historically, you know, back in the 70s and even early 80s, 
action research had more momentum in schools than it does now. And I would love to see us at least get back to that level, but then use that as momentum to, to, you know, sort of make it spread, help it spread even further than that. But again, I think that one of the reasons that, it, you know, I think there was a, uh, an environment and a culture where teachers had a greater level of autonomy that they could do those kinds of things. And now they just don't feel they do, whether it is an issue of, um, you know, their administration or an issue of time. Um, and, and earlier, Lene, you said that, you know, so many teachers feel like, well, this is just one more thing I'm being asked to do on top of everything else, you know? And I even write about that a little bit in, in the textbook where, you know, how do you respond to people who say that? And I always say, you know what, it, I'll be honest with you, it is going to take a little bit more of your time. But the bottom line is that if you do it, it's going to help you do your job better, more effectively, more efficiently, whatever the case may be. So it's an investment that you're making in your own practice. And if, if we can get more people to sort of see that aspect of action research, I do firmly believe that we'll get more people to participate in it, to get more people to engage in the process, to use it as a mechanism to help them do their jobs better. Wonderful. Well, Craig, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. And it's been a real pleasure. And um, I wish you well in all of your endeavors. And Grace, well, thank, you. thank you also for, for joining us this morning. Thank you so much. I, I, I love doing this. Um, and uh, I, I hope that um, your listeners, as they continue to listen to, this, to these podcasts, will just gain an even... Uh, a greater appreciation for the process of action research and, and the potential that it holds. Thank you.